Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We are using two scriptures out of 1 Peter. You don't have to turn there. You can stay there in Romans. And in my continual study and meditation on this subject, because I've never really seen this before, never really heard much teaching on it, but I do agree that this is a word for Island Church for the last days. That this is a, a not just a, a you know, a, a, what I would call a prophetic word that would come through a prophetic gift, but actually a word from the Bible. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, when God gives you something in the Spirit and then confirms it through His Word, you know He's trying to tell you something. And those scriptures, I, I, I was meditating on them in the Amplified, so let me read them to you. First of all, 1 Peter... First Peter in the Amplified, what, what's the, uh, I didn't write down the verse there. It's chapter 1, verse 13. That's what it is. I'll just remember what it is. It says, uh, it says, so prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now that shows us right there that as our revelation of Jesus grows, a greater grace is released. Now let me say that again. I don't think that's unique to the last days or the end times. I believe any time that you seek Jesus, you seek, and what I mean by seeking Jesus is you get into the Word, you dig into the Word because Jesus is the Word. I said, Jesus is the Word. When you're, when you're fellowshipping in the Word, one of the first things that really impacted my life when I came back to the Lord so many years ago, uh, 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 Mama Ward, Frances Ward said this. She said, you can only have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ relevant to the relationship you have with that book sitting in your lap right there. And I thought to myself, wow. You know, so many people think they're so spiritual and know stuff about God. But if you're not in the Word of God, if you're not in the Word, you don't know, th- you don't know anything about God. Amen? So thank God we see here in 1 Peter that there is a dimension of grace that comes to us. So we've also seen by our studies that God is wanting to release grace in the last days in proportion to our revelation of the Lord Jesus. So as our revelation grows, that grace is released. Now, I've been joining this with another doctrine that I like to call operational faith. Now, I've not really expounded on that, but let me, it's so simple. Let me, let me just throw this out to you. Uh, people that are very educated in, quote, religious things, theologians, they have a hard time with this, but it's really so simple. You know, the Bible says of the people of Jesus, it says the common people received him gladly. I'm just a common person. Amen. I ain't much special about me. I'm just a common person. Amen. But as that revelation grows on the inside of us, that grace begins to come into our life and Jesus wants to be revealed in the last days. He wants to be revealed. That, means, that, that word revealed means uncovered. Now, what I was saying about the, uh, the theologians and, and all of those that are highly educated in theological things, they would disagree that there is such a thing as operational faith. You say, how do you describe that? That you can take the Bible and get into the Bible and pull out of the Bible an answer for whatever dilemma your life is in. 
And you can make application of that word to that dilemma and see that dilemma remedied, remedied supernaturally. Now, now, see, the theologians base it, base, it, base it on the sovereignty of God. Now, you know, you can get that if it's God's will for you, but if it's not God's will for you, you can't get that. That's a bunch of hogwash. It is. It's not true at all. Notice in the Bible, and we're going to do this, we're going to do this here, here, in a, here in a few weeks, as we begin to go into the Gospels and look how Jesus was not going around looking for a woman with an issue of blood. She, he was not looking for blind Bartimaeus. He was not looking for ten lepers to heal them. Those lepers, Bartimaeus and the woman with the issue of blood and many others were looking for Jesus to be healed. God didn't initiate it. They did. Now listen, let me help you. The human will initiated it. Let me, let me try this side. Maybe to get in this side. The human will initiated it. I'm in an impossible situation. There's nothing anybody can do. I've spent everything I have. I've, I, I've exhausted all of the doctors and specialists. I'm not better. I'm getting worse. And this has gone on for 12 years. Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? See, people are in that same dilemma right now. Is there anything I can do? Well, back then they had the same problem we have, and that is the opposition of religion. But thank God, whatever the opposition of religion was, it got through or got past her because she broke religious law to get her healing. Oh, come on, church. She broke religious law to get her healing. Sometimes you got to break some religious laws to get your breakthrough. So operational faith is is you see something in your life and you think, my God, there's an answer. You know, it says he supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory. I believe I'll believe that in my heart. I believe I'll confess that with my mouth. I believe I'll act upon that. And then I believe I'll stand upon that and expect to receive from God. You can do that on any area of your life, any righteous area. So we ended up in Romans chapter 4, chapter 5. Before I go, let me read, read 1 Peter. 4, 7, and 8. This is the other scripture we've using, using as a jumping off place. It says, the end and culmination of all things is near. Amen? Right. Let me try that again. The end and culmination of all things is near. The problem is you just don't believe it. Amen? I believe it. I mean, I just don't believe it. I, I, I believe it strongly. Look, I know we, we, we canceled uh, uh, prayer tonight. But I didn't. I'm going to pray here tonight. You say, you want to pray? Come up here. I'll be praying in the prayer room. 7 o'clock. You say, why are you doing that? <laughs> are you really kidding me? Yeah. Why are you, you going to? I thought we canceled prayer. Well, we canceled our prayer service where the praise team would come up and I would actually teach. But I'm going to pray tonight. You say, why? God isn't giving me an unction to pray i got enough sense to look at what's going on on this earth and say, we need to pray. My goodness. Look what just went on this week. And if that hasn't stirred you in your spirit and at least caused a light bulb to come on over your head, 
to help you recognize and realize, wait a minute, I may be living in the last days of time upon this earth in this dispensation, which you are, and you've got to realize we have to put our faith in operational level as a corporate church because there's a lot of stuff we're going to have to face as a church we're going to have to overcome as a church. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so many, I've seen so many churches lately get off on these tangents on all these things that I'm thinking, man, you need to stay right down the middle of the road in the word of God, preaching Jesus, talking about faith, giving hope to the hopeless, imparting faith to those that are believing God for it and allowing the spirit of God to move in unprecedented ways because this day and hour, we need an awakening to happen in this nation. Amen. There's things being projected on this nation that if you don't wake up to, you're going you're gonna to freak out in a few days, a few weeks. You say, why? I'm telling you, this thing is taking a turn toward the evil and toward the, and toward the darkness, which we knew it would. We knew it would. Now, in Romans 4, we begin to look at Abraham. And I think the capstone, or what I would call the capstone, scripture of Romans chapter 4 is that Abraham was fully persuaded. Everybody say, fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. That what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, let me say that again. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, you must understand that persuasion is a process. And a lot of people are unwilling to go through the process because they hear just enough teaching on faith to make them stupid. You say, what do you mean by that? I say, well, I just believe I received from God. So that's it. So I'm just going on about, well, actually you didn't. You just presumptuously thought you believed from God. Uh, thought, presumptuously thought you received from God. But in reality, there is a process of full persuasion. Yeah. Let me say that again. There is a process of full persuasion. You are in that process over every situation in your life that you are believing God, whether it be healing or finances or family or no matter what it is, if you are believing God by faith, then you are in a process of being fully persuaded. Now, what fully persuades you is what? The promises of God. What God has promised, those promises fully persuade you. Now, let me help you. This is going to help somebody. Not the performance. I've heard people say that. If I could just see some miracles, I'll tell you what, if we could just have miracles, miracles, miracles. If we could just see miracles, miracles, miracles. You're not going to see them. You're not going to see them. You go, you go with Bowens to Pakistan, you'll see them. You go do a crusade with Rock and Yoska, you'll see them. You go with me to different crusades, you'll see them. Well, why don't we see them in the church? The reason is because God's got a better way. God's got a higher way. God's got a way of the church outgrowing sickness and disease, outgrowing poverty and lack, going through the persuasion process in which we become fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. Then we can take that healing power to the world and show them how good Jesus is. Amen. You know, when you go fishing, you don't fish all day long to go home and eat the bait. Let me try that again. I don't think that landed too well. Let me try. When you go fishing, you don't fish all day to go home and eat the bait. Amen. What you do is you put the bait on the hook, you throw it out there to catch the fish. And Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And let me tell you something. When he said that, he baited the hook. 
You say, what do you mean he baited the hook? He baited it with himself. Everything he is and everything he has ever done has been put in you, in Christ, and all we have to do is go through that process of being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he is also able to perform. Get your eyes off the performance. Get your eyes on the promise. And those promises will bring you to the place of full persuasion. And when you get to the place of full persuasion, you say, how do you know when I get there? You'll know because God will be standing there to perform for you. Then we love we loved this, this last scripture. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. But we saw in one other translation, I think it was uh, Passion Translation, one of them, taught in this scripture said that, 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 that Jesus is being raised from the dead. Oh my goodness. Jesus being raised from the dead is proof positive our sins have been remitted. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Jesus being right. And then we talked about celebrating Easter, celebrating Christmas. The whole world celebrates these two major events that the entire world shuts down to celebrate somebody they don't even know. A man that lived on the earth for only 33 and a half years, never owned a piece of land, never painted a painting, never sculpted a, scrunt, a, sculpt, a, sculpt a statue. There we go. I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> Amen. Didn't write a book. Didn't do anything, didn't hold a government office, but now he's celebrated more than anybody else on the earth. Jesus is still celebrated 2,000 years later as proof that your sins are remitted. As proof that your sins are remitted. Then we got into verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. By whom also we have access by faith into, now here we go again. This grace, which we back up into chapter 4 and saw that there was a grace on Abram that lasted 25 years, that got him to the place where his name reflected his condition. You say, what do you mean by that? God wants to get you to a place in life where your name reflects your condition. You say, what do you mean my name reflects my condition? Your name is in Christ. That's your name in the Spirit. You are in Christ. And God wants every part and every manifestation of what that means alive in your life. Because you are in Christ, you are saved. Because you are in Christ, you are healed. Because you are in Christ, you are empowered. Because you are in Christ, you are prosperous. Because you are in Christ, you are delivered. Because you are in Christ, you have hope. You have faith. You have joy. You have righteousness. You have peace. You are loved by God. You are valued. Why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new. You are, you are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My goodness. Once we see ourselves as he sees us, we become what he sees. God doesn't see you, poor old sinner, saved by grace. God sees you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God doesn't see you sick trying to get healed. God sees you the healed of God, taking the word of God and driving off every symptom of sickness and disease. God doesn't see you as poor trying to get rich. God sees you as the rich of God, using tithing and offering and everything else God gives us in our giving, benevolence, things like that, in order to drive off the effects of this fallen financial system. And it's fallen quick, church. It's fallen quick. Thank God he did. 
Thank God we're not hopeless. Thank God we're not hopeless. Now, verse 5, this is where we picked it up last week. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience is experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now notice that last scripture, then we'll work back up for just a moment. Hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now see, notice the phrase, the love of God. You see that phrase? Is given unto us. Now, you must understand that anytime the love of God is included in an equation in the Bible that shows what God is doing, you must understand there is no such thing as the love of God being a passive force. Well, it's just, I just feel the love of God. That ain't it, honey. The love of God being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost is God's declaration of His activity in your life. You say, why? Because everything about the love of God is an active force. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Everything that deals with the love of God. See, when we deal with human love and we deal with all the aspects of human love, we have to include the element of emotion. But emotion is detached from agape. You say, why? Because God took emotion out and put action in. He has an acting love. A demonstrating love. I mean, you can tell me you love me all day long, but you do something to show me that and that's really going to prove it. There's people all day, well, I love you, I love you, I love you. But then it's those in your life that demonstrate that love to you that become the ones that you're what? In relationship with. You fellowship with lots of people, but you're only in relationship with a few. And those that you're in relationship with are the ones that what? That love you. That would, that would do something on your behalf. Amen. Now back up from there. <laughs> back up where we were last week. Verse 5, not only so, but we what? We glory in tribulation. Everybody say glory. glory. Now everybody's looking for the glory of God. But that's not talking about the glory of God. That's talking about your personal glory. And everybody has personal glory. The problem is it's not God that brings it out of everybody. Well, I mean, we have people that are, you know, they're rabid Dallas Cowboy fans and, and Houston Texan fans and Houston Astro fans and, and, and what do we always pick on the women? They always like half-off shoe sales and, you know, get all excited and people jump up and down and, and, and dial each other on the phone and say, you know what? But, you know, when it comes to church, people just, just like sit and say, you know. And, and a lot of people sit there long enough to fall asleep. <laughs> Amen. You know, I'm going to tell you why you do that. It's because your faith, your, your, your flesh is overriding your spirit. Your flesh is saying, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear that. Well if, you, well, if you hear that, you may do something to me. That's why your flesh don't want to hear it. Your mind doesn't want to hear it. You know why? Your mind is in there saying, you know, don't you, don't you be glory in any tribulation. You've got to show people. People need to know what you're going through. Your, your face needs to be dragging the floor. Your tears need to be filling up buckets. But the Bible doesn't say that. Now, in faith, operational faith, this is a very important point. 
Because the devil, with every attack he brings against your life, is trying to bully you. And with his first pop against you, he is watching you to see how you're going to respond. And the problem with a lot of Christians is the first time the enemy really hits them with something, the first thing they do is get out of church. We can't go to church, man. We're going through some stuff, man. I'll tell you, we got the doctor said this and we've been cut back on our hours. And, and you know, we've got, we've got this problem with the, with the, got a crap foundation and all this money. We're, I tell you, there ain't no way we can go to church. Well, you laugh, but that's the way a lot of people are. Well, actually, the very thing they need to do is to shake themselves. Make a decision to glory. See, when you glory in something, you begin to bring the tangible ability of God into a situation. I was thinking about this the other day. Rocky, Rocky Malloy's here, and he'll testify that. I'm glad you're here, Rocky. You can tell him I'm not telling the truth, not just preaching. Amen? Some of you will get that later. I preached a message, and I was kind of intimidated to do it. We were in a conference in Ireland. And Rocky was with me, and we were up in Dundalk. And uh, this building was a long, long building. And the Lord had dealt with me uh, actually for about a week on preaching a message about Mary, the Virgin Mary. Now, you're, you're this, you would think, well, that really doesn't mean anything. Well, it does if you're standing in a, in a pulpit in Ireland. And I begin to preach that message on Mary. Many of you heard that message. I preach out of Luke chapter 1. And I never saw anything like this in my life. People, you could see religious bondage, I could see it. I could see it break. I could see it break. And people begin to shout, and people begin to praise God, and people begin to worship, and the glory of God. Am I right, Rocky? Came into that meeting. The Shekinah glory of God filled the room. I couldn't see the people behind me. Yeah. And there was a man there with a heart disease who walked up like this, and when Rusty touched him, he stood up, holy healed, to this day, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I yet smoke was coming through every part of the building. It's See, when you glory, you're going to get God's glory. That's why your flesh don't want you shouting. Your flesh don't want you dancing. The flesh don't want you laughing. The flesh don't want you getting free from religious bondage. But once you start to get free, then God always likes to put a little exclamation point on your freedom. We glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation worketh, does not produce. I have heard so many messages. When will these preachers read the Bible? Yeah. I heard one of them. The title of his message. When you need, when you need patience, God sends tribulation. He went right to that same scripture. I thought, why don't you read the Bible? The Bible says when we what? When we make a decision... Not to be bullied by the devil. When he hits you in your body, he hits you in your finances, he hits you in your ministry, he hits you in your business, he hits you in your family, instead of you dropping your countenance, instead of you getting all set, you just say, well, glory to God, I've got another opportunity to prove Jesus is Lord, to prove faith works, to prove the devil is defeated and under my feet. Devil, get ready. You are in a fight. Amen? Amen. 
When you do that, when you glory in that tribulation and you're glorying not in your strength, you're glorying in God's strength and in God's ability. When you do that, then patience gets up from her chair. It's always mentioned in the Bible in feminine. She gets up from her chair. She takes her mop. She starts mopping up your emotions. She starts mopping up. And then she gives you cheerful endurance with consistency. Amen? I've had people sometimes, I tell testimonies of things that's gone on in my life. That, well, I never knew you were going through that. That's right. You'll never know. You say, why? Because I'm glorying in the midst of it. I got a smile on my face. I got a skip in my step. I'm going about my routine of life. I'm enjoying serving God. I'm enjoying passing the church. I'm enjoying going to the nations of the world. I'm enjoying seeing people rise up in the goodness of God. I'm enjoying all that. And in the midst of it, every time the devil comes to try to knock me down, I just glory in the midst of that tribulation. I shout. I thank God. I say, hallelujah. What a great opportunity to prove Jesus is Lord and the devil is defeated. Cheerful endurance. Amen. Cheerful with what? Consistency. That's patience. Amen. You ever notice how the enemy wants to break your routine of righteousness? Yeah, everyone has what I call a righteous, you know, you go to church, you read your Bible, you study, maybe come to prayer, different things like that. That routine of righteousness is a great threat to darkness. Because if you stay in that routine of righteousness, you're going to step into more and more and more and more light. And the more light you step into, the more life you enter into. And the more light and life you enter into, the more you are able to not only overcome all this craziness that's going on in the earth, but you're also able to be that light in the midst of the darkness. Amen. Now notice this. We glory in tribulation knowing that what? Tribulation worketh patience. And patience what? Experience. Everybody say experience. experience. Now this is not, you know, people say, experience is the best teacher. That's, uh, please don't fall for that. Because people do stupid things for the sake of, quote, experience. So well, I really learned God taught me something. No, he didn't. <laughs> now if I was to take off and run and stick my head right through the wall, right back there, right, right by the sound booth, and, you know, there's two by fours in that wall. And I hit a two by four, split my head open, 40 stitches across my forehead. And I come back and say, well, I'm going to tell you what, I know my experience that that backseat back there where that spackling is and that, 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 that wall is hard and there's a two by four. You just said, idiot. You didn't have to stick your head through the wall to, to, to prove to people there's a two by four back there. But see, people go through all kinds of stuff in life. And they, well, I tell you, I learned something. No, you didn't. You only learned by revelation. And God wants you to have experience based on revelation you got from the Word of God. Then you took that revelation and you added it to your experience and it changed that experience into something that God did supernatural in your life. He wants you to have... Years ago, I said this. The Lord says, I want you to have a spiritual resume that gets the attention of hell. Now, you think about that. I mean, when the devil's looking for a patsy, does he come looking for you? Got one? No. (laughs) 
But I'm going to tell you something. Your experiences in faith, where you have stood, where you have believed God, and where you have gotten the victory and you've gone on from there and moved forward, and you've stood, and you've believed God, and you've gone on from there and gotten the victory and walked forward, and you've stood, and you've believed God, and you've gone on from there and walked Let me tell you something. That is you look back over a life and lifestyle of that, and you've got something to glory about. You've got something to be excited about. You've got something to have joy about. And I want you to know, not only in the progress of your journey, because the destination is worthy of the journey, but also what that journey is producing in your life because there is a path of righteousness for everybody's life. And on that path of righteousness is every bit of provision, every bit of blessing, every breakthrough you'll ever need. And God wants to give you experience after experience after experience, not that you live by faith in the experience, but that you have a resume of something in your life where you can say, see devil, it works. It works. So we glory in tribulation or in the tribulation work of patience, patience, experience. Now here's the key. And experience hope. Now hope, we saw it up. It may sound like we're repeating ourselves, but we're actually not because we saw up in chapter 4 that Abram or Abraham hoped against hope. So there are two types of hope just like there are two types of faith. There is human hope. There is human faith. Human hope is always mixed with an element of doubt. Amen? You say, Pastor Rusty, let's go play softball this afternoon. Hope it doesn't rain. Well, most of you have watched the weather forecast and you see the clouds outside, so you cannot say that without there being an element of doubt in that word. My illustration, I said this last week, I always had the Houston Oilers to pick on. And I was always explaining, you know, the definition of, uh, of human hope because in September of the year when we were all, you know, love you blue fans, someone would say, well, I hope the Oilers win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> Why are you laughing? There was always an element of doubt mixed with that. But that's not the hope it's talking about. Literally, it's saying this. When you make a decision, when the devil comes into your life to wreck your life, to hit you, to bully you, and you make a decision, I ain't falling for that. I'm going to glory in the midst of this. I'm going to shout. I'm going to run. I'm going to dance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. See, here's the thing. You cannot glory in anything you're not willing to step outside your character and do. Yeah, Amen. It's amazing. People will go, and many of them have no character to, you know, really get crazy at the football game or the baseball game, so they need a little help. I went, oh, my God, I shouldn't even tell this story. I went in 1973 to nickel beer night at the Astrodome. I wish I had a video. Now, think about this. You could get 20 beers for a dollar. Nickel beer night. They never did it again. <laughs> literally, literally. I'm telling you, I was there. By the seventh inning, vomit was flowing down the stairs. And people were not even getting out of their chairs to throw up. They were just throwing up all over everybody. Amen. People are willing to get under the influence of anything 
in order to get outside of a character in their life that's just locked down. They have no passion. They have no life. They have no light. So they got to pour all this liquid or powder or pills or shoot or smoke or whatever to, to get to a place where they can step outside of their character and think for a few moments that they might be enjoying something. But then they wake up the next morning. They're like, man, I want to put this axe in my head because it's always connected to death. Amen. But now the hope that God gives us when we make a decision, listen, 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 man, I ain't letting the devil, you're not going to kick me around like that. I'm going to shout. I'm going to thank God. When the devil attacks my finances, I just write checks. I just write checks till he shuts up. You can't give that. I write another. You can't give that. I write another. You can't give that. I write another. You can't give that. He finally shut up. I'm not, I'm serious. You have to understand you're glorying in that tribulation. The world's answer is to pour down the alcohol. Pull down the drugs because I cannot do anything to get me outside of my character. So I've got to have I got to have some relief. But God's given us the Holy Ghost. He put the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And I guarantee you, when you make a decision, because see, a lot of people never glory in their tribulation because there's no feeling connected to it. Well, if I could just feel the anointing or goosebumps or something, I might run around the church. No, you wouldn't because you're waiting for a feeling. You're waiting for a feeling. But when you initiate it and you do it by faith, what are we talking? Operational faith. You say, well, I tell you what, my leg hurts, but I'm going to run. My arm hurts, but I'm going to shout. My voice is raised, but I'm going to bless God. I mean, whatever you do to step outside of your character and glory in that tribulation, you're fixing to pick up some spiritual experience on your resume and hope is going to step in. And this type of hope is a total, pure expectancy associated with your pleasure. Hallelujah. And hope maketh not, remember we started, maketh not what? Ashamed. If you are ashamed of what you're going through, you're not going through it in faith. A lot of people like to be real private, you know, and quiet. And, you know, our family's the same way. We love our privacy and our, but you know, when our family went crazy back in the late 60s and the 70s, man, it was all over the front page. We couldn't get away from anything or anybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's broadcast. It's, ama- it's amazing. The bigger your failures, the more they're broadcast. That's the world in the world system. But in the midst of it, God imparts an overcoming faith and power. I watched my parents go through that. They went through that unshakable. I mean, that, not, not that they didn't have any trauma, but they still believed God that their kids would preach the gospel. They still believed God that at the end of their life, they said, we've trained up our children in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart. And they would not be denied that word. And because of that, they gloried in their tribulation. They gained some experience. They got some hope. And hope did not make them ashamed, even though the devil tried to shame them. See, that's what the enemy always tries to do. When you go through, oh, people know that you're not so spiritual. People know. Listen, you got to make a decision to make your stand of faith. I'm going to believe God. I don't care what anybody says. And there's enough faith people around here who will agree with you. And get in faith with you. And you do not have to be ashamed of what you're going through. We're not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed of you. Jesus is not ashamed of you. The Holy Ghost is not ashamed of you. And God wants you to get that experience so that when you come out of whatever you're going through, you're going to say, look what the Lord has done. Because that's how good God is. That's what he desires to do. So in our operational faith, it's not, it's more than just, well, pastor, I, I'm confessing the word. I'm believing in my heart, I'm confessing with my mouth. But here's the key. 
when you make a decision, bless God, I'm going to appropriate some grace in my life. And I, I, as a church, I've decided we need grace. And we're doing everything we can do to, to appropriate that grace by doing what? Preaching more and more on Jesus because with that revelation of Him comes a greater grace. A gra we're going to need a greater grace next month, the month after that, the month after that. And for what's coming on the earth in these last days, we need the grace of God to completely umbrella us. But that's how good God is. That's what He wants to do. And listen, no matter what you may view, and here's the thing, be very careful in these days how you watch the news, how you allow those who try to tell you what you think you did or did not saw, see or hear, be careful how they try to manipulate you. Don't get caught up in causes. You say, why? Because you don't have a cause, you have a commission. And there is a difference. Amen. I've heard people say, well, for the cause of Christ. You don't have a cause, you have a commission. That's even greater. Amen. Stick with that commission of your life. Don't allow the news and the day and the hour to do what? To saturate you. Now remember our, our scriptures that we used over in Peter. One of the reasons is what? It will taint you to your love walk and God has called us in the last days to cover each other with love. But if you become critical, now let me say, oh man, how's my time? I'm, I've got a couple of minutes. Remember what it says in Psalms 1? How many remember Psalms 1? Amen. That we don't, you know, sit in the, uh, the, the seat of the sinner. The, what is this? Of the ungodly. Amen. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen, that, the, the criticism, the, the, how can you say this? The, uh, uh, all of the different emotional character traits, like being cynical, uh, uh, you know, everything's a big joke. Or uh, uh, I watched a news commentator the other day. I was, try I was trying to listen to what he was saying because it was an important subject, but he couldn't get off the jokes. Everything was a joke to him. Everybody was a joke to him. Amen? Uh, that, listen, that, 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 those are people that are cynical in their mind. And there's a lot of that out there. Now listen, if you expose yourself to that, it will quickly infect you. Not just like, well, I've been watching for a month and now and I can't believe I'm thinking. No, no. I mean like one or two. You say, how, how, is, that, how is that possible? There's a principle over in the, I believe it's in Hosea, that talks about the priest. How when he comes out of the holy of holies, he is holy. But his holiness does not affect the filthiness of the people around him. The filthiness of the people around him affect his holiness. And you've got to understand, you've got a brain and you've got flesh already conditioned to their message. That will make your flesh feel good and your mind be passive. But you've got to understand, you cannot afford to partake of their character. Amen. You've got to stay righteous in your thinking. You have to walk in love. You have to walk in love. You, you have to, you, you, listen, you have to allow yourself enough exposure to the Word as to not come under the influence of the narratives of this world. So, well, what about the Republican there? What about the Democratic? What about this? I'm not going to listen. I, those people are going to have to work that out on their own. Because I'm not involved in trying to, quote, save the political world. I'm involved in saving the world. You say, what is the world? The people that need Jesus. This is our opportunity. 
This is going to be our greatest hour. That's why I believe we need to pray like we've never prayed before. Stand like we've never stand before. Give like we've never given before. Believe like we've never believed before. And appropriate and walk in grace we've never walked in before. And let me just say this. I'm not prepared right now to tell some of the stories, but I have seen it. A different grace. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. And I've, and I've thought for a couple of times, I thought, now wait a second, this is, the, this is an expansion of that grace. Because not only will that grace take you out of things and keep you, but it will bring you into things and help you. I'll do that, Lord. Let me read this and then we'll close. Is this helping anybody? No, I didn't shut the book. Thank God I can open it again. Grace. The divine influence of God in operation. Providing a 360 degree boundary around your life. A reflection of His life flowing into the realm of the natural. Its attributes include salvation, healing, baptism in the Holy Ghost, and everything God has provided for us in Christ. Grace has gotten it. Grace has gotten it. Faith gets it. Let me try that again. It's pretty simple. Grace has gotten it. So it's there. We're not trying to get God. We're not trying to talk Him into our healing. We're not trying to talk Him into prosperous. We're not trying to talk Him into breakthrough. We're not trying to talk Him into any of that stuff. No, grace has already got it. Grace has already got it. It's already there. Faith goes and gets it. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works. It is the gift of God. Least any man should boast. It's that simple. It's that simple. So in these days, we are believing God. We're praying, we're giving, we're doing everything we can do. To do what? To get a greater revelation of Jesus. A greater, Jesus gets bigger. He gets more defined. I, I, I loved a testimony T.L. Osborne told of a Korean man was, was saved during the, the, the brutal uh, dictatorship of the Cameroon in Cambodia. And he was, a, he was an artist. He was actually a famous artist in Ca- Cambodia who had to go into hiding when all that craziness went down. Well, he got saved in a, in a, in a uh, uh, refugee camp. I, and glory, uh, apparently had a glorious, glorious uh, salvation experience. So he started reading the Bible and he took the New Testament and he took every word of the New Testament and he did a portrait of Jesus with every word of the New Testament and Jesus had his hands open out to the world like this. See, that's what Jesus does. He takes people that are like this and he just opens them up. Opens them up to the world. So that people can see what God's done in your life. How he's touched you, blessed you, made you whole and helped you. And no matter what you're facing right now, listen to me. You're on the verge of a breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in there. Keep standing in faith. Keep standing on the word of God. And I guarantee you, you're fully persuaded that what God has promised, you're fixing to see a performance. And I guarantee you, it's going to be blessing. Amen. Praise God. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Lord, that forever your word is settled in heaven. Father, I pray right now that your gentle conviction, that spirit, part of the Holy Spirit, which brings that gentle reality. Father, if there be one in here who doesn't know Jesus, oh my goodness, as Lord and Savior, Father, we would pray that this would afford them their greatest opportunity. 
or if there would be one out of fellowship with you, Lord Jesus, that today you would gently bring them back to fellowship and restore that relationship so that they'll realize and recognize that they're not disqualified or rejected. They've been qualified by the blood. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. Please pray with me. If that's you, would you lift your hand up real high so I can see it? Anyone at all? Praise God. One hand. You can put it down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Another hand. God bless you. You can put it down once you've raised it. Glory to God. There's two. Anyone else? Quickly. Raise it high. So we're not going to call you up. We're not going to embarrass you or anything like that. The congregation will stand and we'll all pray a, a, a corporate prayer. And you get to get in on it. Get right with God. Anyone else? Two hands have been raised. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Good. Well, stand on your feet. Church, you going to help us this morning? Two people have raised their hand. Let's all pray with them out loud. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to save me, to save my life. Today, I confess it and I believe it. Thank you, Father. You sent your son Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Thank you, Father. Lord, there is my life, which I'm weak, which I need your help. You know me better than I know myself. Thank you, Father. Your blood cleanses me from all sin, all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. As I stand in Island Church, September the 4th, 2022, I'm born again. I'm right with God. I'm in fellowship. I'm in relationship. I'm in covenant with Almighty God. Thank you, Father. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give them a big hand clap. Give the two that raised their hand. Now, you that raised your hand on your way out, be sure and tell somebody, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Rusty. Amen. Praise God. Now, don't forget tonight at 7 o'clock, you'll see my big white truck out there. I'll be in the prayer room praying if anybody wants to join me there. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. Thank you for it settling into the congregation, going out over the Internet, and still being anointed in the podcasts and in the recordings that others listen to. Father, we claim your protection and safety. Thank you, Father, for for protecting Dana and Julio. We thank you for it, Father. We don't take it for granted that they were spared, but you spared them, Father. We thank you. All those material things will be replaced speedily, but Father, we thank you. You spared their lives. Amen. Spared the church tragedy. Father, we thank you for others out preaching today, Alan and Pat up in Kerrville. Lord, for the pens out in Ireland and our two churches there in Ireland, Lord God. For, for, for Paul and Shotty down in the Philippines. Egan and Hannah, Christopher and Britta, Jim and Bonnie DeHart. Lord, we call them all out. Jenny and Ed Cook, the Fishers there in Hong Kong, the Macries there in Australia, Lord God. Oh, Jesus. Give them liberty. We pray encouraging words. We speak encouraging words over the missionaries. For the lackeys there in Botswana, Lord God. Jerry and Jana. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for their family, Lord God. 
Jesus, Jesus. Pray just a moment, church. God's got us parked here for a minute. Praying over our missionaries. Lord, we lift up Victoria and Mark. Rocky and Yoska, Lord God. Father, for favor, for finances. Lord, for, for breakthroughs, for new doors, for new doors, for new doors in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen. Thank you, Father, for that protection and safety upon us. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you in our, our travel, the highways, airways, seaways, railways. Father, we prayed over all our students and teachers last week. We declare safety over this area. Devil, you'll not steal these children. You'll not steal these children. In the name of Jesus, we surround these high schools and these junior highs, these elementaries, private, public. We declare protection, protection and blessing, supernatural from above. We will not give our children to Moloch. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the fire of evangelism in our own hearts. Let it rise up in our spirit, man. Father, we thank you that as we go forth this week, we'll be an answer to somebody's prayer, a miracle in someone's life, a problem to the devil. Father, we leave walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave walking, Lord, as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. And Father, we leave today thanking you here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.